McClear in the lead and Charlie Hunter going to chase. Finley McClear, the sophomore from Miami of Ohio and Great Britain, has a lot of run left in him. I think Charlie Hunter might run out of real estate at the wire. It could be Hunter. But I have learned that the guy closest to me is not often the guy who won it. Another tough separation for the photo finish, folks. We haven't seen it yet. They're all waiting. It's Hunter, 145.90, and McClear, 145.91. I didn't see it. a hundredth of a second separating those guys. An incredible finish by the Australian Oregon Duck, and 10 more points added to their total. Charlie Hunter clocked 144.35 for 800 metres in June of 2021. Runners Tribe published an article titled, Charlie Hunter has arrived. But in many ways, we were wrong with that claim. Those who have been watching Hunter closely will tell you that he has been a weapon for some time now. A junior Australian champion, Hunter has been progressing gradually, but is now considered a major threat at a global level. He is the 2021 NCAA 800 metre indoor champion and he owns Australian records indoors for 800 metres and the mile. An Olympic semi-finalist, Hunter has the pedigree and the smarts to do one better in Paris 224 and make an Olympic final. Still running for the University of Oregon, we caught up with Charlie to chat Olympics, training, COVID quarantine and heaps more. This episode is brought to you by Runner's Tribe Massage Guns. Runner's Tribe spent six months finding the best massage gun for serious runners. It's super powerful, amazingly quiet, and about half the cost of equivalent machines sold elsewhere. Try it for 14 days and return for a full refund if you are not 100% happy. Check them out at runnerstribeshop.com. Okay, I'm here with Charlie Hunter. Charlie, first off, mate, where are you at the moment? Uh, Brisbane hotel quarantine. Gotcha. So your decision from, you know, after leaving Tokyo, did you decide to fly back to Australia or US or were you, were you kind of, you know, how did that play out? Yeah, I, my flight was actually initially booked to go back to Eugene and I was going to go back and run pre-classic and that was probably going to be the end of my season. And I just thought that'd be a fantastic end of, uh, end of the season, just, really good experience you know Hayward Fields like two blocks away from my home so it's just it's also just a really cool part of like part of the season like the weather's great everyone's in town everyone's in a good mood and I just thought that'd be a really like good end to what's been a fantastic season but uh just with how the season like how the Olympics went um I was kind of managing some like little injuries and I probably could have kept running but just with, I uh, took a while to get like approval, like official approval into, into the race. And I don't know, it just, it got to the point where I was like, oh, you know, I can't really pass on a free trip back home and free quarantine. And I was planning on doing that anyway, at some point. So we just thought, oh, you know, it's, 
let's just do it now, get it out of the way. And um, it also gives me more time to spend back home because it looks like they want me back um, around October. So, you know, as, as much time as I can get back home is, is good. So when's the last time you've been home and, and seen your family? Yeah, it's been, it's been like 12 months. It's been a long time because um, I couldn't go back for any of the big breaks during the year for Christmas or uh, summer break or anything. So, yeah, 12 months. It's, it's been a while. Right. Where, so where are, you, where are you family based? Uh, I, I grew up on the Central Coast. Uh, it's in New South Wales. And um, so that's where I was born and raised. But we, we have family up at Coolangatta. Um, we, have, we have an apartment there. So that's where I'll probably be based uh, this, this uh, kind of stint back home. All right. So you're in a hotel quarantine in Brisbane. Um, and have they set you up with a, a treadmill? Or how, are you, how are you working out, mate? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Like I was, I was dreading, I'm dreading this hotel quarantine. And primarily because like, I've just heard so many bad stories about people just not getting anything. And like when they come out of it, they're just wrecked. Just their body is just terrible and people get injured. So I was incredibly nervous of that. So I had like pre-organized a treadmill and I had like a safety net of a bike and skipping rope and stuff. But I was very adamant I wanted a treadmill. Um, And so I, I got one organized and everything and, actually just the other day it was all approved got the thumbs up from the hotel staff on on arrival and like 30 minutes before it was being delivered and uh mum and dad got here and when they arrived they uh, it was a no-go so <laughs> i'm kind of pissed at that but I've, I've got a bike i've got a skipping rope and um i'm just making do with with what i got and so what um what's the reasoning any reason, or reason? Just, just no well i've heard noise complaints and just the treadmill not physically fitting through the door was the main reasons, but that wasn't the case for me. Apparently it was the power, power outage. Like it, it draws too much power, which yeah. I think is you know, a bit baloney, but fuck, what can you do? Yeah, mate. The, um, so you got a bike? Did you say you got a wind trainer or? Yeah, I got a little bike over there. It's, okay. it's not a bad setup. Got a nice view, got yeah. a skipping rope, so Nice. So are you doing um you doing pretty big sessions on the bike or? I I think I need a big rest, yeah. a big break. Um, so I took a couple of days off just doing nothing, and really I'm not in any rush at the moment. So it's just stay active. It's more for keeping sane and just uh, you know, keeping my mind off things. So it's just today I just did like a a skipping like workout thing, just like 25 minutes of just on off skipping and then a bit of bike, just spin the legs. Charlie, it has been a huge year, uh, a huge last 12 months. I mean, your, your, your PBs have really just, you know, nosedived uh, and everyone knows the name Charlie Hunter in the, in the elite running world these days. And what do you put that down to? Um, yeah, it's a combination of so many things. Um, you know, I can't pinpoint one, but I think one of the defining ones is just self-confidence and self-belief if you truly believe you belong there and that you can run these times, you know, it's, that's the first step. And, um, you know, I think I've always been, uh, just my, my training has been quite over the past years. It's indicated that I'm probably capable of running good times, but there was a lot of inconsistency and, and I just don't think mentally I was quite there. You know, I don't, I don't think I believed that I could run 
144 or compete against the best in Australia in the world. And now like my training partners are doing that. So like, I think there's just that, um, just like you're doing it day in, day out. So like you just naturally progress and you really believe that you can do it. Right. Right. So that confidence comes about because you're, because you're training partners, because you're keeping up with them in sessions or is that, is that it? Yeah. Like that's a, I think that's a key part of it. Um, and it's also just growing and maturing as a man. Like, you know, I've been doing this for quite a few years now. Um, and you just, you learn how to train what works best for you. You get a bit more self-confidence, you know, I'm living in the States, so you've got to grow up pretty fast over there. And then, yeah, you've got, you know, a, a part of it is we've got oh, the new Haywood field. Like that's a $270 million stadium. And to have that at your disposal is like, is definitely helps. And then you got, you know, my training partners are Cooper Tier and Cole Hocker. And Cole just ran 331 and came like seventh at the Olympic 1500 final. Cooper is, you know, an absolute beast, uh, 350 miler. Like, to be honest, we have, I don't, I don't think this is unfair to say, but I think we have the best group in the world, both with facilities and training partners. Like, it's, it's second to none. So who's faster over like a 300 meter rep between you and Cole? Me. Yeah, no doubt. Don't nice. tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> How is Cole over 800? Like when, you, when you're doing your, you know, your, uh, your, eight, your pure 800 meter type race pace sessions, how is, how is he at that? Cole's really good. Um, Cole's just, I, I, I don't like to say just pure talent, but he is. Cooper, like Cole is just talented. You know, he's kind of like a Ingebrigtsen. He's just, he's just talented, so phenomenally talented. But at the same time, his work ethic, work ethic and just mental approach to the sport is incredible. Like no one works harder. No one is more dedicated than, than those guys. So it's definitely not just talent. But, um, yeah, funny enough, earlier in the season, the only time that we've raced over 800 was the Pac-12 champs, and uh, yeah, I dusted him up. You so I've, I've got nice. the 800 time. Nice, nice. Have you ever raced over 15? Uh, yeah, we did once um, at just a home meet, and uh, he got me. I thought it wasn't my best one, but yeah, he got me. Well, he got Centro too, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, yeah, he's pretty solid, so I'm not too uh, too upset about it. Charlie, you've had an amazing year, and like, if you look at I always like to look at athletes, especially either come out of America in terms of value, you know, um, in ter- you know, I know you can't get a sponsorship deal this second uh, because you're still in college, but you're going to leave college soon and your value at the moment, you just made an Olympic semifinal, you're a multiple Australian record holder. Um, how does a guy like you who is so bloody good go about, you know, landing a, a fat contract uh, when your college days are up? Yeah, I'm- Unfortunately, like there's just not a whole lot of money in track and field. So if you're in it for the money, you're probably not going to be successful unless you're, you know, breaking world records or doing something pretty special. Um, and and then you've got to consider like, unfortunately, being Australian is like a big setback. Um, at the end of the day, you're a promoter, you're an entertainer, and these these companies are investing in you to promote their brands through your image and unfortunately australia's market is this big 
So they're not going to invest a lot of money because you can only like get this many, this many of the audience. Whereas Americans, their audience is fucking huge. So order, like naturally they're going to be earning a lot more money. So for instance, my training partners who are American, they're looking at six figures. Me on a good day with the season I've had, I'll be probably lucky to make, you know, ballpark under, you know, for probably from 40 to 60. And that's, that's just how the market is. And it's pretty brutal, but unfortunately that's just where we live. And, but, you know, on, like on another note, uh, just with the, uh, the current climate and just with, uh, I don't know, just access to other platforms. There are other ways to earn money. And I think a lot of athletes are like utilizing that now, whether it's YouTube or, I don't know, promoting other products, starting their own companies. So there are other ways to earn money, but um, just from uh, a brand, like an exclusive brand, you're not going to be making much. Unfortunately, it's pretty cutthroat. You should make Cole Hocker pay your rent. It's, you know, in return for your training services, you know? Yeah, I'll lead a few reps for him. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, man. It's a it's an interesting like side of the world which not many athletes talk about. It's very hush hush, and um, I think these conversations are really important because, like, you know, it's a, that's the only way it's going to spark change. But not many people talk about it, and um, yeah, well, yeah. you know, like so many other sports, like an athlete signs a contract, and a media release will go out saying, you know blah, blah, signs for, you know, this company for five mil or something. And it would be nice to get to the, a level where that happens in, in track field, but, you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Yeah. I, from what I hear that um, a lot of these big brands, part of the, their contracts stipulate that they're not allowed to indulge, like divulge how much they're on. And that, that's great for the brand, but I don't think yeah. it's fantastic for the athlete because they don't know what they get. Or like yeah, just moving for the brand. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that'd be good to change. But at the same time, I'm not sure. Unfortunately, the athlete just doesn't have a whole lot of power in this. And you like we're the ones doing it. But unfortunately, at the at the end of the day, the brand has all the power and they yeah. stipulate what they're willing to give you. And we yeah, don't have t- a lot of bargaining yeah. power. You touched on before the YouTube thing. I see Nick Willis has his own channel now and he's punching some pretty cool videos out and you know, a guy of that caliber with, you know, his reputation, he should, that's so smart, you know, like to go that, to go that business and whack ads in there. And, you know, I think, you know, so maybe that's something that the guys like you can do, you know, look at um, Nick Simmons' YouTube channel. I mean, he must, he must make blowouts. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's money to be made um, doing that. And that's, it's nothing to you. Like it's just videos. Like there's not much to it. Nick but, Simmons uh, ones are hilarious. Some of them, right? Like, good. Yeah, yeah. Just, just hangs out, just takes his shirt off, and just runs around. Yeah, I've been on a couple of them actually because he lives in Eugene, where I'm from. So I think he's uh he's dusted me up in like a 60 meter race once and fucking made out the pit the the thumbnail. It's like a bit cheeky. I saw a video with him with um Andrew Wheaton in it the other day, and they um I mean they both stacked on the kilos and they were doing an 800 rep in. I don't know what it was like two thirty maybe, but um, it was fun to watch. Yeah, those guys love it. Like I see them, I see Nick around all the time. Like I, I'm not sure if I'll still be running when I'm his age, but 
he's not that old, but yeah, like <laughs> they love it. They just love the sport. They love to be involved. It's pretty sick. Yeah. And I guess Nick Willis has shown that you can run into your late thirties. Hey, especially if you were, if you, if you turn into a miler, but I guess Risley's also shown that the eight guys can have some longevity. So. Yeah. But Jeff is incredible for him to do that. And yeah, like that's very special. Yeah. 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 You made it to the semifinals for the 800 in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, decent shoving the back at about the 200 meter mark. You know, you sat in behind Bryce Hopple and, and then maybe fade a little bit over the last kind of 150 to 200. What do you take away from that, you, you know, your first Olympic, Olympic experience? Yeah, all positive. Um, you know, I don't want to be uh, just a lane filler. And I, I think I showed that and it was reflected in how I raced. Um, but I was so grateful to be there to like the season has just been a year of first. And so just every milestone that I've been able to accomplish has just been so great. And on one hand, you know, just I'm so happy to be there. But at the same time, um, you know, I wanted to perform and I wanted to, you know, show what I was worth. And, and again, just not be a lane filler. So just to be there, stoked. Uh, on my performance-wise, um, look, it's championship racing and, you know, you can't expect to always have your best result. And just with how the race has panned out, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to get a PB or probably place as high as I would have liked. But, yeah, just can't, uh, can't speak highly enough of that, that experience. Just the whole um, Olympic environment was really cool really special to, to experience. Um, I think that was my first real taste of international racing to see like the Ingebrigtsens and, you know, Timothy Chariot and like, you know, the Kenyans, all the, even some of the other Aussies, like I've never really been in a high performance environment with those guys. So to experience that, and I think I managed it quite well. It's, um, it is pretty stressful and like, it's it's a very like intense environment and it's, i think one of the biggest uh pitfalls that some athletes do when they go to those races is just like get very overwhelmed and it's so easy to do that but i think i did a pretty good job of you know holding my own and you know knowing that i belong there so yeah just fantastic experience i think i managed it very well just uh, I, I think what I put it down to was it was a long season. And um, unfortunately, I don't think I was quite at my very best going in, but no excuses. I, I raced very well, I think. Um, I left that semifinal sleeping well. Um, I was very happy. You know, I left no regrets. It just wasn't my day. But um, a, lot of pos- a lot of positives uh, definitely fueled the fire. And uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. And I, I think it was a, a fantastic experience. You definitely had a pretty drawn out peak, right? Like you were running quick in, in I think it was Feb. Um, was it Feb? Yeah, I think it was Feb when you started, you know, dropping a few bombs and stuff. So I, I guess it's a long time to keep that peak. Is that, is it, did that maybe work against you? Yeah, like, mate, it's the college season is fantastic. And it really does just like, provide you with opportunities and experiences that you just can't replicate anywhere else. But at the same time, I, uh, I was getting pretty tired and, and just things started to pop up, which was not ideal, which hadn't been 
uh, I hadn't really had to deal with earlier on. But um, it definitely did start to kind of like take a toll. Um, mentally, I was good to go. But yeah, just things started to pop up. And I just and started to pop up. You mean like niggles started to pop up? Yeah, just my prep wasn't ideal. Um, yeah. Just things started to pop up. And yeah, yeah, it's just out of control. And that's just a product of the season I'd had. But as you said, like I probably had three peaks before the Olympics, whereas those guys had that was their peak. And like yeah. it, it catches up to you. Yeah. How was it hanging out and, you know, experiencing the Peter Bowl, you know, performances and the, you know, the excitement that kind of surrounded this guy? Um, did, hopefully that rubbed off on you. And, you know, how was that? How was that experience? Yeah, Pete, like that was my first time actually meeting Pete uh, there. And um, Pete's just a really good, humble bloke. Like he's just a good guy to be around. I, I didn't really, I heard there was a lot of like hype around him and, and rightfully so. The way he was running was fantastic. So, yeah, it, he's a good guy to be around. And I think he handled it very well. He didn't have a, a chip on his shoulder or anything. He was happy to have a chat. And, yeah, he's a he's a guy to be around. So it's, I think the Australian 800 is in, in good shape for the coming years. Oh, 100%, mate. Like, if, I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you sit number three on the all-time list right at the moment and, um, it was one forty four thirty five. I think that you that you clocked, and so I mean it's pretty amazing that we have you know I mean Deng obviously still still in a perfect age if he decides to to go on with it, and you bowl yourself. Risley still running. It's um it's just a, it's a great time for Australian eight hundred running, not just on the men's yeah. side, right, but the women's side too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Charlie is a junior. Uh, you won the, uh, you know, you won a whole bunch of titles, but one in particular, you won the under 20, 1500 title, Australian title. And, um, you know, I think, I think you also ran a world, a world cross, a junior world cross um, race as well. So what I'm getting at here is you have a massive aerobic engine, right? And um, after this Olympic experience, the fact that you've run a 144 low, where, what do you see yourself at in the future? 800, 800 specialist or dabbling in the 1500 too? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm definitely a 15 guy. Um, just with how I race and just naturally, like the speed comes pretty natural, but I think the way the 800 is moving, it's towards like that 400, 800. It's a long sprint. And like, I'm not that type of runner, like, don't get me wrong, I'm quick and I, I think it comes a bit natural to me, but at the same time, like I can't run a 46 or a 44 and that's what I think it's going to have to kind of take. But um, yeah, I the 800 comes very natural. Like this was my first year doing it and it was kind of by mistake and it just came super easy and don't get me wrong, I'll still do the eight, but I think... I just never really got to explore the 15 this season. And I think I was in pretty good shape for that. Um, and I think I'll end up doing a lot more 15s in the future. But it's just something I didn't really got to do this season. Right. And so, like, your training at, uh, with Oregon, I mean, we'll, go, we'll get uh, more deep into the training in a sec, but is it, you know, you've run a 337, 1500 uh, and... Is that off mainly kind of 800 specific work or is your training very much kind of 8 slash 15 focused? Yeah, I, that, that was me doing pretty much base work. Um, so I really didn't touch a track before the 337 or the 353 mile. But um, 
we I don't train like an eight guy really. We're pretty aerobic based and we have quite a good variety of um yeah, sorry, it's primarily like aerobic based and endurance based and we very rarely do anything at race pace. Um we just kind of touch on it towards the end. But uh yeah, we're definitely a strength kind of based program and um yeah that that seems to work out pretty well definitely not as i said before not that 400 800 type program that i think from my knowledge uh kind of uh pete bowl joseph dang those guys do um from my knowledge but yeah we, we seem to be pretty heavy based on the endurance and strength side right so when you say that you haven't actually kind of stepped on a track before that 337 like do you literally mean that you did zero race pace 1500 meter work leading into that 337 like or is that i'm just trying to get my head around that because for, for a lot of us that's how, how do you not do any track and then punch out a 337 uh, obviously incredibly talented but what sort of did any strides or any sessions at all yeah like we do strides and stuff, yeah. but that's on grass. But yeah, yeah um, our first indoor season opener, uh, we didn't touch a track. We were just doing a lot of hills. Um, kind of our, our main workout was a hill workout. Like short, and, sharp hills? Uh, one, two, three, four. One, two, yeah. three, four. Um, but yeah, we didn't really touch a track for any track intervals. And we came out and we set a world record in the DMR. I ran a... 354 mile cooper and cole ran a 746 uh 3k like we ran some pretty good times off base work yeah. it seems like such a common thread right like every every not every but so many successful 1500 even 800 runners but mainly 15 runners that you speak to just is very 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 little intense track work and i guess Stuart mcsween is the extreme example of that and and you sound similar, so it's fascinating. But I want to get into that in a little bit more detail soon. But just quickly, you you moved, obviously, to the NCAA system and you raced for Oregon. And how vital was that move to college, you know, if you stuck it out in Australia and sogged it out at the, you know, the you know, the interclubs and, and, and like, do you, do you think you'd be where you are now? No, no. I, to, I've said this before. I wouldn't be running if I stayed in Australia. It's just, um, it's too tough. Unfortunately, unless you kind of, you know, on that breakthrough cusp of making a team or something like at that elite level, there's really no support network there for you. Like I couldn't get a pair of shoes or use a track, and especially where I'm from on the Central Coast. It's just, there's no infrastructure, there's no groups, there's nowhere to run. It was just, it was not going to happen. And I tried to make it work for a number of years. And unfortunately, it was just like, I just didn't enjoy it. It was too hard. It just wasn't for me. Um, so, yeah, no no shadow of a doubt. I, I would have given up and I just would have moved on. So the decision to go to the States was life-changing. Um, it just totally uh, reinvigorated what running was to me. Um, it just fueled the fire really it just gave me a new purpose to run. And uh, yeah, without a doubt, there's no way I'd be running the time Sam if it wasn't for the collegiate system. Yeah, it used to be that our very best would, would you know, forego college and the kind of the B-grade athletes would go to college. And now it's kind of shifting, you know. We've had yourself, Jessica Hull, Oliver Hall, Lyndon Hall, Lyndon, 
uh, Lyndon Hall, Jessica Hull, um, all, all chose to go down the college road and it's all worked out pretty well. I think that, you know, there's still coaches in Australia that will, you know, um, argue, you know, till the cows come home that college will burn athletes out and uh, ruin them. But I guess um, I guess you guys are just proving proving it all wrong, hey? Yeah. Um, look, I would, I would love to stay in Australia. I love Australia. Australia's home. I'll, after I'm done running, I'll be back here with, without a doubt. And I would, I would honestly love to train professionally here. But America does it better, unfortunately. There's more infrastructure. There's, there's more money there. Um, they just do it better all around the board. Um, they, it, we just, unfortunately, we just can't compete when you've got a $270 million uh, state-of-the-art uh, track just being built for you. We've got dietitians, physios, massage therapists, gyms, underwater treadmills, anything you can think of. It's there at your disposal. And we do, just you use, do you use all those things? You know, like I can, I can see a lot of athletes like they have all that, that kind of, you know, stuff at their fingertips, but you know, a lot wouldn't actually use it. Like what are the key things that, that help you? Yeah. Like it, it is there for me. I can use it if I want, but a lot of it is like, you can use it, but like, it's not this like essential um, for me. The track, obviously, like that, that's where we meet every day. Um, I like the hot cold tubs, like I'm fucking living in those things after a workout. Uh, I massage twice a day, uh, twice a week if I want. They've got like snack bars, so I just get a bunch of snacks. It's what, sort of, what, what sort of snacks? Uh, they've got this, um, like Gatorade uh, protein bar, which is like really good. 20 grams of protein. <laughs> I Damn. just smashed. I, I like store them up. But, um, just smashed like 10 yeah. of them. Yeah, they're not good for you. It's like 400 calories a bar. <laughs> but tastes good. Uh, um, Charlie, let's jump into your training. Uh, I spoke to a few few mates before this podcast and, uh, you know, everyone just wants to know how Charlie Hunter trains, what are, what are his favorite sessions, all that sort of stuff. So let's just dive in a little bit. The uh, You've already stated that, it's a pretty much a strength-based program. You don't really, you're not really doing a bunch of 400 meter race pace stuff or 800 meter race pace stuff. But what, what's a typical week? What's a quick outline? Two sessions, three sessions. Let's let's just go through that quickly. Yeah, it's um, it's very unique, incredibly detailed, and it's not it's not there's not a generic week, unfortunately. But gotcha. I guess a blueprint would be um, probably four to six workouts. A week, four to and six workouts a week. Oh no, okay, all right. So just yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'll shut up now. Yeah. So quite a lot of um, like not jogs, as opposed to like two or three kind of workouts a week. We do quite a, a lot um in a week. So Monday would typically look like what we call a comfy steady, which is like um pretty much a tempo. Uh, so we do a ten k tempo, and finish off with maybe some strides, uh, like hill strides. And then on top of that, you've got a warm-up, cool-down, probably band exercises. Then in the afternoon, we'd have a gym workout with like a 20-minute run beforehand. Um, Tuesday. So, okay, be, Monday afternoon, gym workout, gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Two, two, two workouts, uh, two runs or something a day, and then Sunday off. And is that yeah, gym, Monday, like are you messing yourself up in the gym or is it, is it you know, uh, is it a workout in itself? Uh, that's up to you. I've found that. Um, I can definitely overdo it on the gym. I used to really enjoy it, but I found it was uh, counterintuitive to my training. 
um, especially because it's the day before a workout. That's just how it is. I would prefer to do the gym after the workout, but that's how we do the program. So I don't really mess around in the gym. I just kind of like do it and get out. So nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, so gym workout on a Monday. Tuesday will be some sort of interval type workout, whether it's hills or kind of like a, a fart leg type thing. And that could be upwards of a 20K workout. And then in the afternoon, it might be jump in the pool for 30 minutes and do some running and drills and stuff. Uh, Wednesday is a recovery day, and that will probably be like a 10-mile, 16K easy run. And then maybe something in the afternoon, maybe a pool workout. And is that legit easy? Like are you just talking to your mates and chilling out or are you, are you actually yeah. working? Yeah. No, I, I try to do my easy days as easy as possible. Yeah, like, yeah. I, was, I think that's one key thing that I've learned this season is fucking easy days easy, hard days hard. Um, I can definitely get caught up in always working hard. So that's something I've really worked on. Just fucking put some music on, run solo, go at my pace and uh, go as easy as I can. Um, Thursday, uh, again, that's probably a comfy steady. So 10K of tempo and warm up cool down then in the afternoon it'll probably be another 20 minute easy in a gym workout friday is another kind of serious workout that might be uh that'll probably be on the track doing something um it depends base phase could be 800 k's miles or in the kind of uh race season that would probably be a a, a race pace type workout um again just very detailed very very specific it could vary from k's to some sixes to some twos um there's really no specific workout i could tell you but typically a key factor of our workouts is the active recovery so if you look at it black and white um what we're doing isn't too crazy like we could do a k in 237 but we'll do it in a quite a unique way it could be quick slow quick slow within the k but then afterwards i think the recovery is something that really is uh unique of what we do um it's called an active recovery so as soon as you finish you're into something else so it could be another 800 at 90 second lap pace or something like that um and that really comes back to bite you um yeah so Again, Friday, another kind of key workout, and then Saturday would be a long run. And again, that's kind of a workout in itself. We'll do tempos and thresholds within the long run. And it's probably going to end up being somewhere in the base phase for me, 23K, or in the kind of off-season or like track season, 20K. Right. I mean, there's a lot of quality in this week, isn't there? Like there's um, a lot of quality, Yeah. 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 Um, so it's, it takes a lot to get used to. Like I, so my coach is Ben Thomas and this is his second, third year at Oregon. And the first year, everyone kind of like blew up. It takes a lot to like get to know his training. And I think now we've all got a pretty good understanding of how to run it and the attentions he means. So yeah, you've got to, you got to really know what you're doing because there is a lot of quality and you've got to know when to pick your battles. So 
Yeah. And and what happens like I imagine a lot of athletes they could, you know, put maybe two or three of those weeks back to back and then they would just be flat as a pancake. Like are there recovery weeks scheduled in here or when you're flat does the coach just say just check out for a couple of days and just jog around? Nah, this it's I think that's very important to not fluctuate a lot. Obviously some weeks are a bit easier, but to be honest, every week we try to make look the exact same. And so there's no, there's no uh, reduction in the number of workouts. We will always do four to six workouts a week, but the intensity might somewhat drop. But yeah, it's pretty much every week looks the same. Yeah. Um, quick question on the gym, mate. You said you kind of, you know, set your own gym or, you know, it, depend, going, it depends how hard you want to go to, you know, it's up to you. Are you, are you on a specific program, right, where a strength guy has said, do this, do this, and then you're kind of progressing each week? Or is it, do you just rock up and do whatever you feel like? No, we've got our own strength coach. Um, and so, yeah, we see him twice a week. And he's fantastic. He's very good. And um, so we, we have a, a set workout routine, and we all go in at the same time. And wh- when I say you go as hard as you want, you can choose how much weight you put on. And I was always someone that like quite enjoyed moving a bit of moving a bit of weight around. Um, but I just found that would, it just wasn't quite necessary and it would take it away from my running. So I kind of, I've definitely backed off a lot, but yeah, what we do is a lot more um, dynamic movements and to be honest, weight isn't necessarily better. So I kind of do a bit more focus on, you know, doing the exercises properly because it is a lot of um yeah just dynamic simulating running type movements and if you're moving weight fuck you're pretty good to be honest like most guys don't even use weight so gotcha gotcha yeah awesome mate um um what's your favorite session if you had to you know like you you seem like a pretty you love your strength-based stuff these you know what the 10k tempos for example um you know if you got peter bowl i mean peter bowl is an incredibly fit dude but i'm pretty sure you'd be smashing him over 10k tempo how fast uh do you do these in at um we we do one 10k tempo kind of in the base phase which is pretty good it's a good workout like that's the quickest we'll do it and but we'll start at like 330 pace per k and it will be a progressive cut down and, you know, we'll start at 3.30, but then that last 5K, we'll be cutting down to like 2.57, 2.50. And for me, that's kind of like maxing out a bit. Um, but that will probably run me at, at like a 30. We'll probably end up with like a low 30 tempo. Who, can on, you on drop, do, who drops who out of you and Cole on your 10K thresholds, tempos? They would absolutely dust me up on the... On the <laughs> On the tempos, those guys are, are better. That comes a lot more natural to, to them than me. But I can hang on. Like, I'll be working probably a bit harder than I should be, but I can hang on for sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, Charlie, mate, I think that's it, man. We're just going to keep it short and sharp. Um, we covered a lot of ground there, and it was it was amazing having you on. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so we'll see. We So we expect to see you racing um, – kind of um chilling out till october um and then heading back and then it, how, so how long how long do you have a college college left 
I have roughly uh, three semesters, which is like just shy of a year. Yeah. Um, just not sure if I'm going to use that. I'm kind of deciding what I'm going to do now. Um, right. When I so link up with my parents, I'll, I'll work it out. Have you used up all your eligibility or? No, I've still got uh, cross and indoor. So Okay. 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 Yeah. Not sure if I'll use that. Yeah. Hey, you may as well use it up. Yeah, may as well. Hey. <laughs> uh, all the best with your quarantine. Um, and um, yeah, take care and we'll chat again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and take the time to leave a five-star review. It's deeply appreciated.